Hey friends, welcome to the Cultivate Hope podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Robinson, and I want to invite you to come alongside me as we hear stories, gain wisdom, and even some helpful tools from some of my friends. These are people who have experienced challenging seasons of life that have tested their faith. We can all learn from those who've dug those deep trenches and have found their way to the other side of hopelessness. So let's start digging together and cultivate hope. Hey friends, today we have artist, entrepreneur, and one of my dearest friends from high school, Darius Sneed. Darius started leading worship at his church in Cincinnati, Ohio at a super young age. From there, he has traveled the world from Texas to Orlando and all the way to Europe, sharing his journey of faith and his love for God. He currently resides in Newport Beach, California, where he is the CEO of Mogul House, working to develop artists in their careers. Today, he is bringing the hope by giving us perspective into a season of his life full of seemingly impossible challenges. Yet here he is today to give us that hindsight 2020 with how to cultivate hope in the midst of roadblocks. So welcome to the podcast, our friend, Darius Sneed. Hello. Well, thank you for having me here on Cultivate Hope, Sarah. We're My excited pleasure. for you and this podcast and love hearing and doing everything. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. Um, I just want to jump in today and start with our very first question that I ask every single person that comes on this podcast. Give us your definition of hope. What does hope mean to you? Wow. Um, Hope is the choice to have faith and trust in something uh, for me. And that something for me is God. Uh, But hope can also be placed in people. It can be placed in things. And uh, we all have an expectation for something to happen. Like when we turn the water faucet on, we expect and hope that it will actually function properly. Uh, yeah. So hope is actually at the base, just having an expectation or trust that something will actually benefit uh, where you what you are wanting or where you're wanting to come in. So that's what I believe hope to be. So good. I agree. I, I love the water faucet thing. That is so true. Um, so real quick, I want to go ahead and just jump into your story. I know you had, um, was it 2014 was a year that was really transitional for you and really um, turbulent. And a lot of us can relate to it. So if you're willing, just go ahead and just give us a, a perspective of what that year looked like for you. Yeah, um, I was fresh out of college. I had just uh, accepted a job in Houston, Texas um, at a Baptist church there uh right south probably south of houston downtown and uh right out of college thinking that my dream was to live in nashville i had been in nashville for six months finishing school and i was like finally i've made it uh because back then you know nashville was the place to be if you wanted to do music everybody told you nashville i finally get there and feel the call to go to this church i got a call from a friend and i visit and i go okay lord I i feel this tug i'm going to uh, accept this position. Uh, after having a few conversations with my uh, superior and boss, um, I definitely found out that this was not what I was uh, actually uh, proposed to be. And so it was a very quick turnaround, but I only spent seven to eight months, I think it was eight months total. Uh, in the history of that church, I was the uh, shortest staff uh, employee. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Think about me, Sarah. You know, I don't put up with foolishness for long. So oh, I do. <laughs> tolerated for so long. So back then, I was not as mature as I am in Christ now. So it was even shorter. It was like, okay, you haven't wasted my time. I've been my entire life here. I'm not going to do this any longer. So I moved back up to Ohio, and uh, friends of mine from college, we had kind of gathered back in Dayton, Ohio, where I went to school at. And we had this heart to still do a ministry. We like, you know, just had this passion burning from maybe if working at a church didn't work out, maybe starting our own nonprofit and doing good work in the community and developing this like uh, uh, passion for Jesus in, in young people, if we would do that. It was a very broad vision, but we were so passionate and so pure about it. Uh, I quickly I quickly learned uh, that life was 
going to get a lot harder. Um, in 2014, in the summer, I moved back to Ohio. And after getting my own place, I found out that financially I would not be able to uphold living in the space. I had my own space and yet still also wanting to do ministry and traveling. And I had this heart, you know, that just like I wanted to minister all over the world. Uh, but my career hadn't taken off yet. No one know, knew who I was. Uh, no one had even seen me. And I was still in the cornfields in the middle of nowhere. Um, shortly, I had got to my bank account around Thanksgiving had gotten to negative $13. And uh, to be frank, I had had a car that I had gotten uh, from the Honda dealership, and I had, was not able to take care of my car note for about three or four months. Um, and, you know, the things we do when we are trying to, you know, get by my cousin, oh, yeah. my car, it was just the most ghetto situation ever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but she was trying to drive it around, you know, to keep it away from the dealership when they were trying to find it. But Thanksgiving of 2014, I was sitting in my room and one of my best friends who had moved back to join the ministry from California, uh, he was in the living room staying in my house. Uh, and I heard a knock on the door. And that knock on the door was uh, the repossession company that was going to take my car. Mm. Um, you know, in the reality too, like you don't know when you know the crap hits the fan till it really hits it oh it was, yeah oh my gosh not only am i broke but i have no vehicle and now my credit is screwed um i am 23 years old and i don't know what to do i want to get home to things i couldn't even get home which was 45 minutes to thanksgiving so immediately i called a friend i was like i don't have time to explain it i just need to borrow a car to get down to my family so i borrowed a car to get down to my family and I tried to actually, I tell you this context because it's actually yeah. just funny See, now, but I tried to hide the fact that I didn't have my car, you know, going home. No. My dad sees everything. So immediately, okay. like I drive, I had this white Camry. It was like a 96 that I was driving. I drive and I park it up the street and uh, I have Thanksgiving. I'm eating with the family, just trying to, you know, hide, make sure, you know, it's like no one notices that I'm really like toe up. And uh, I'm about to leave, go back up to Dayton, go home. My dad put me in the room. He said, hey, whose car was that that you uh, drove up in? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, he saw the car. He saw the car. And I broke down. They said, dad, my car got repossessed this morning. And I'm broke. And I don't have a job. And I'm doing ministry at a church in Dayton. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was the most embarrassing, but um, also, like, probably the most transparent that I had to be with my father that things were not going well and my dreams were not coming to pass as I thought they would um and yet still had the hope to go on so as a true dad did he encouraged me gave me what I needed to get by um and I was actually looking for a job ended up getting a job at J Crew um and at this point I am really 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 hopeless I had given up on the like whole idea maybe I'm just going to work retail and maybe I'm just going to do this I'm not going to Get a ministry job or you know or, or travel the world and sing like i wanted to i had just put out a record as well that didn't do that great uh, all my friends walked out on me my band walked out on me they told me i wasn't gifted told me that my music really didn't do well in church and nobody would want to sing it i mean just talk about defeat oh. after defeat after defeat and so not only did i fail at a job that i went to or didn't have it didn't turn out to what it wanted to be i returned home i threw everything i had into my career joined this church, joined this nonprofit. None of that was going well, lost my car. And now I'm working at a retail store in Jeffersonville, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I will never forget this turn. I remember sitting in my room, I was in a fetal position and my pastor, uh, who is still one of my pastors today, Pastor Brianna Dupree calls me and she said, I want you to fast. I said, fast? I am fasting, I ain't got no food. <laughs> I want you to fast. Oh my gosh. Okay, yes, ma'am, I'll fast. So I fasted. Mm -hmm. Believe God. I want you to believe God. So uh, Christmas comes around, and this whole community, we were all broke. I mean, it's like all your best friends in one place. Ain't nobody got no money. So yeah. it's Christmas time. I'm one of the ones that went ahead and just said, I'm going to get a job, you know, whatsoever. So headed to J. Crew. Someone's dropping me off uh, at J. Crew. When I get there, it's Christmas Eve. Uh, snowing, and I couldn't even, that's, that's two hours away from Cincinnati, so it's like, I'm definitely not going to be able to make it home. Yeah. Uh, 
had called my younger brother who had just had his first kid. He and his girlfriend come up to Jeffersonville and pick me up. They pick me up from Jeffersonville. We're starting to drive and get on the highway, and I get a call from J. Crew saying, "Hey, there's there's a couple here asking for you." I said, "Well, I left already, so can you just tell them I'll be back next week?" You know, like, no, no, they say they have something for you. I said, "Oh, okay." So my brother turns around. We go back, and he's frustrated. He's like, "Okay, what could this be?" You know, family. I won't use their name for privacy's sake, but just the most beautiful family. Uh, and they are there with this, uh, it was like a contraption just wrapped up in, in gift wrapping paper and a plate uh, with just like foil on it. And it said, we love you. Merry Christmas. Oh. So I'm like, so grateful. And they put it in my hand and then my, immediately my hand just fell down and weighed it down. I was like, whoa, this is heavy. So so grateful. I hugged them, thanked them. They gave my brother a hug and his girlfriend and, and the baby. They, you know, just a very nice moment. It was beautiful. We get in the car and we drive, and I didn't think anything of it. Now, mind you, I have bills. I just started at J. Crew. My check's not coming for another two weeks. I'm like, Lord, how are we going to do this? I'm going home. I'll be home for a week. Uh, all this stuff. I don't have a car still, all of that. Wow. So I get uh, to the house, and, uh, you know, after getting back from Christmas, and I look at all these things I got and open it up with these cookies that were like beautiful cookies and this plate and all this stuff. And I open the wrapper up of the thing and this jar. It's this jar of like coins. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I immediately like, well, I need to go and cash this, you know, like help me with bills. I go to the Walmart right up the street and I cash it. And as I am cashing it, Sarah in the middle falls out hundred dollar bills <gasps> into the coin machine. It was so many, I couldn't even count them. I literally, uh, so I get emotional every time I'm thinking about it. I'm getting emotional. Oh, my gosh. I called my pastor. I'm like, Pastor Bree, I need some help. So she comes up to Walmart. She's helping me get this. I am, like, utterly, like, what in the world? I had enough money to take care of all of my bills that I had missed and to cover me for the next two months. Wow. I was so shook. That next week, I don't have a car, and I get to the church, and uh, I'm sitting in I'm sitting in my office, and the pastor comes to me and goes, "Hey, we heard you don't have a car." I said, "Yeah, why didn't you say anything? You've been going for a month and a half with no car." Like, yeah, I just don't have one. I'm just believing God for something. I fasted. Just, I'm just really like open to what the Lord wants to do. So, okay, cool. So they go uh, that week, and we do our you know our whole staff thing, and we get to the church this Sunday. I'm sitting in the audience, just sitting there, just enjoying the service. And immediately at the maybe the uh, offering time, the pastor walks on stage. It was not normal for him to walk up and do this, but he got up and goes, we have a member in our church who literally gives all his time and never asks for anything. And uh, I just found out he's carless. I want to bless him. I feel the spirit of God. I just want to bless him with the car. Oh. Immediately, I look to my left, and there's this man bawling, walking down, rushing down to the altar, with a wad of $100 bills and throws it on the altar and just comes and hugs me. And I am literally sitting there like, what is happening? I'm in shock. Um, immediately, Sarah, the whole church responds. And it was uh, one of those moments, it was like, we call it in the black church, we call it a heave offering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. it only happened to me once in college. I, I was just, this was another thing. I was just overtaken by this. Uh, I was given three thousand dollars that day to go buy a car. Wow. Uh, two thousand and four, uh, a Volkswagen, very beautiful car. It was hundred thousand miles on it, but great, great shape. My car, yeah. <laughs> I had a car, and I didn't owe anybody anything. Um, immediately after that, I get a call from a friend named Jordan. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind that. He's an Apple farmer, one of my best friends mm-hmm. at the time serving at a church called Hillsong South Africa mm. and who the pastors that he had did ministry with they were going to plant a Hillsong uh, denomination church in England where they were from he mm. called me and says hey man you got your passport I said no he said okay go get one expedited I'm gonna send you some money he said I'm flying you to England next week I said, excuse me he said oh yeah he said, 
I told them about you. They want to meet you. He said, I just feel like I got connection. I'm paying for your flight. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I'll get all of that taken care of. Send me like where you are, all that stuff. You'll have everything. Get your passport expedited. We'll get all that taken care of. Mm. I get my passport expedited that day. I get the passport like a couple of days. I was like crazy. That was a miracle in itself. Like they don't do that. Oh, no, they, they don't. That fast. Uh-uh. That's They're just of. nuts. Go to England. I meet these pastors, beautiful pastors, Pastor John and Shelton Norman from Soul Church, Hillsong Family Church They're in Norwich, England. They had no idea what I did. They just said, they just said, Jordan said that you were awesome. So we're so glad to connect with you. They had a place for me to stay, you know, housing. I was there for two and a half weeks. So I just served, you know, during the week wow. they had stuff. They had just gotten their building. I was just like, okay. So uh, Pastor Chantel, which is John the wife, she goes, hey, I heard you sing. I was like, they said, won't you sing on a worship team Sunday? I was like, sure, that's fine. So I sing on a worship team. And my, mind you, I'd given up on my ministry career. I, I gave up on all of it, singing, doing music, doing ministry, traveling as an itinerary speaker or worshiper, I, I literally gave up on all of that. I, I have no idea what is ahead of me right now. And um, at the end of it, uh, John goes, how dare us do the response song at the end of service? So it was a song called Touching Heaven. I remember it was a Hillsong song, Glorious Heaven, I'm sorry, Glorious Heaven. So we sing this song and I'm literally just worshiping. At that time, you know, when you're broken, your worship is like, yeah. it's just, it's a different in- encounter with the Lord because now you are aware that you absolutely are nothing without him stripped yes. down really nothing so worship Look, meant to be knowing our place I mean God can't even go get a McDonald's hamburger it's like I am Lord I am literally stripped down mm. I am sackcloth ashes you know I am in the Job moment nothing I have nothing I came into this world nothing. like that moment you know yes beautiful encounter with God. You can feel the presence of God in this space. And in my head, this is what I normally do. Like, this is what I, you know, I, I don't know anything else. I'm not thinking anything. It's like, this is my normal encounter with God. Pastor John comes up on stage and goes, oh my gosh, what an amazing, oh, this was amazing. We got Dar Sneed here from the United States of America. <laughs> as an itinerary speaker worship leader he travels the world he's one of the best worship leaders that we've ever seen and we're so glad to have him here with us right i'm just going out the way we're going to do a touching heaven night there's is going to lead us in worship tonight he said yeah. he got cd we're going to sell those out i don't want to take a thing home we're going to bless him like take up an offer for him all this stuff sarah that night we get back to the church there's a line this is england by the way england is like you know, it's now, I think it's over 90% Muslim at this time. Now I think it's up to that 98. Like, it's not even like wow. a, you know, quote unquote nation, you know? So it's like, whoa, you know, that there's a line of cars down the street to get into church for touching heaven night. And wow. what we seen God do there was amazing. That changed the of my ministry. Um, Pastor John and Chantel immediately called friends in the United States letting them know that the best worship leader had touch base over in England. And when I got home, I had so many bookings in my email waiting for me to come, including Pastor John Hagee uh, down in San Antonio, Texas, where eventually I started a contract of singing there once a month, uh, flying from Ohio uh, on my way to moving to Florida, where that became a consistent thing. And then on top of that, began a contract in California at the church, Mariner's Church, where I was doing once a month there as well. So traveling there once a month and ministering over the entire world in churches that I've seen on TV. It was just like my whole life changed. And wow. even then, it was like, Lord, I I just want people to know that I've been to hell and back and I love you. I didn't even have like, I didn't want to do a record. I didn't want any of that. I just wanted people to know the authentic like part of me that in it all I held on to Jesus you know I held on to Jesus I held on I fasted I was obedient to my pastor I still showed up to church I was still faithful I was not gonna give up on God no matter what happened to me so it's a long story but 2014 was the year of hell it really was I did not see light I did not and I kept showing up I kept being faithful I'll never forget that year, too. Bishop Jakes showed up to the Dwight Parsons. We went, and he preached a message. It was October, the last week of October, which was a month before my car disappeared. <laughs> he said, some of you are about to go through the ministry of persecution. Mm, that's a word. 
just like cause I was gonna preach a different message, but today I'm preaching this. He preached the ministry of persecution. He talked about the importance of worship. Mm. He said, if you don't have worship in this season, he said, you will lose sight that the ministry of persecution didn't come to kill you, but it came to prepare you for what's about to happen. And if you can wow. lean to your relationship with God is necessary because where you're going, you're going to need to know the importance and the separation between what the world wants to give you and your relationship with Jesus. And uh, I can truly say till this day that that is uh, that season impacts me like that. So that's my main drive. I ain't did everything right. I've messed up. I've done all. I've, I've done all kind of stuff. You know, I've I've I've, I've made the wrong connections. I've, I've done this. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, yet in it all, the Lord has been gracious to me, and to know that He is my hope and He's my joy. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. At the end of the day, I've been thrown out. People have said all kinds of things. I've taken different views. I've, I've, you know, all this stuff. It's like, you know, people change. People change towards you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can I just, can I just take a moment to just, wow. Like that story, that is a true Job story. I mean, that's like turbulence one after the other, like labor pains, you know, that's like, revelation labor pains type stuff in your own personal life the things that i picked out though that i think are so cool and important to point out to people as it pertains to your response that i think is really really necessary is the first thing you did the day your car was repossessed you were honest you 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 found someone you trust or someone you trust came to you and you were honest about where you were at. That's huge, especially today with mental health and everything. And people, when you're in a hopeless place, it takes, like you said, so much boldness and trust and courage to share that you're really in a hopeless place, that you're really in a place of like, I don't really know where to go from here. I'm just, I'm at the bottom and I don't know where to go. That's huge. It's huge. And you know, Sarah, the, at the end of the day, when you look at all of us, you know, my grandma says this, uh, everybody puts their underwear on the same, one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. No one's above pain or no one's above, you know, bad situations. I don't believe that there are good and bad people. I don't. I believe that there are people and bad and good things happen to them. And at and the core person, whether he's a murderer or whether he's a rich man, uh, whether he's white or whether he's black, whether he steals or whether he's the kind of person that runs a nonprofit. At the end of the day, at their core, the way God created them, there's beauty and pureness and everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. So if we scale everything back and if you put us all in a room together, you know, it's like we all at the core of who we are, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're dads, we're moms, we're sons, we're daughters. Like, we are at the core of who we are. We all have dreams, we have hopes, we have visions, and life happens. And if we can't be honest and sincere about these things with one another and before God, you know, you look at John chapter four when Jesus is uh, talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And one of the things I love is he said, you know, the hour is coming where the Father is looking for those who will worship you in spirit and truth. Yes. You know, when we look at that, everybody shouts and everybody, you know, yells and, you know, goes. But I really take that as a very practical moment that Jesus is saying that worship doesn't look like the spirit and true part where we come into a building with our hands and sing. That's a part of it. But that's our response to living a life of self-awareness. That's the truth part because yes. he sees it he already sees it. So the true part living in spirit and in truth is that the spirit part is the yes. So it's like, I am self-aware that this is happening and that I live this way and I've made these mistakes or this happened and I'm not going to hide this before you, God. But also the spirit part is that I have a yes in it all, that my spirit is connecting to you. I have a yes, Lord, even in the midst of it, in the midst of the pain of what I can't control or the things I can control. Yes, I have a yes. So for me, it's it's that bare bones. It's like I really don't give a care uh, uh, how people perceive something. I, I want to know, again, like, at the end of the day, Lord, are you with me? You know? It's yeah. Like, like that. Yeah. 
that's stronger right now. And it's, that is a part. The mental health thing is a big thing right now. Why? Yeah. Because we have so much looking at what or uh, gauging like uh, what other people think. Yes. We get on Instagram, on TikTok, we get on Facebook, Twitter, all the things, all the vehicles uh, of of social stuff, and everything is measured by man. I wish I had that, or I wish people saw me like that. Or I wish I had that body, or I wish my hair was that color, my skin was that color, or I wish I, you know, I wish I had those kids, I wish I had that house, I wish I had that car. We compare, yes, and we don't in our race. We don't engage with what's in front of us, and we don't be honest and and true and it causes us to live in insecurity and it causes us to live in a state where god never intended it for us to be because again he's looking for those that will be spirit truth authentic self-aware to have a yes lord every day we can work with that that authenticity thing is so important too because if we can't even be authentic with ourselves i mean that's a huge thing is is us being authentic with ourselves and not saying because i can even go inside my head sometimes when i feel hopeless and be like it's okay. It's going to be fine. And that's, there's, there's an aspect of like, yes, you want to have a positive outlook and be like, God's going to take care of it. But you also don't want to be in denial and be like, yeah, everything's hunky dory. No, it's not. This sucks. You know, it's like acknowledging this really sucks. This world is broken. This thing right now in my life is just broken. This thing that's happening to me is broken, is tore up. I'm upset. This is hard. I'm allowed to say it's hard. And I also believe that because I'm being authentic in my limited self and being real in the fact that things are broken, I'm broken, I'm so limited, it allows us to come to an unlimited God who's authentic and who he is to fill that void and just say that openness that was the, like I feel the next step that you had was you're, you were honest first and you were open to the Lord by you did this, um, this step of obedience. I love that um, your pastor, Brianna um, Dupree, challenged you to fast. And could you explain, I know a lot of our listeners are not going to have necessarily practiced fasting, and some of them may not even know how to do that or what that's for. Can you explain why fasting was the choice and how important that is and what that, that opened up for you? One, there are different practices of fasting. We see it a lot now. It's, it's like a, a trendy thing to do, you know, in fitness. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. do intermittent fasting. Yes, I do it. It's, it's actually For like the practice of it is you are depriving yourself of something, and you realize that it cleanses when you when you deprive yourself of anything, food, uh, maybe it's media, maybe it's whatever it may be, sweets, whatsoever. You're supplementing that time to create space. That's what you're doing. You're creating space to hear from God, to spend more time with God. I call it the declutter. It's the time to declutter. Yes. Let's sit with God so we can hear him clearly. Because if we're honest, it, when we aren't fasting, when we aren't, you know, it can be so easy to get, we got kids, we got jobs, we got, you know, businesses, we got relationships, we got all these different things. That end up, not all, all of that, all the things that, are not healthy for us that we engage with that are now blinding us from and being able to hear what God is trying to say to us. Yeah. I call it the moment where we declutter and we create space for God to move. I love that. And I think in, in addition to decluttering too, it also, it's you telling God, I'm serious about this. Like I know I do that. I'm, and we've talked about this before. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm very forward with the Lord. I'm very like, I'm straightforward. I don't mince my words. Like that. We, that's just our relationship. He knows how I communicate. He knows I like that communication from him. That's just how we flow. And when I'm serious about something, like when I'm in a hopeless place, I'm like, okay, God, I'm showing up. I'm here. I'm fasting. I want you to know that I'm serious about this because I know who you are because I, ha- I, I want to say that I'm hopeful. I want that hope. I know you offer it. I know it's in you. And I know that you can do what I can't. You can do immeasurably more than I can ever ask, imagine, or perceive because you're limitless. So I'm, I'm telling you right now that I'm serious and I'm expecting to see you come through because you said you would. That's what yep. it's all about magnification you're, you're magnifying him over the problem and saying my problem 
is nothing to you and nothing matters beside you. And I'm just acknowledging who you are because so far everything else has felt overwhelming, but I know you can overwhelm me with who you are. And that's where I want to sit. That's it. So I think it's important. Um, it's a, there's a, a funny thing that happened during that season. Pastor Brianna, again, I can't talk about her enough. She, uh, God has used her instrumentally throughout my entire life since I met her in college. She was one of the advisors for multicultural students at Cedarville University, um, as well as an RD. And she ended up becoming my pastor and mentor. Um, and during that time, uh, she was the one that we, she was like the big sister of the group. Everybody went to her house. She would make us come for Bible study. Love no matter it. how broke we were, we had to show up. So we, well, we all were really, really like stranded on food. And uh, we looked in, in our, our closet. She said, well, everybody just bring what you got. Mm. Okay. So I had like corn and beans. But he had like a few vegetables. Like, you know, uh, he had, uh, I think he had peppers and stuff like that. Another friend of mine had onions. Somebody had tomato sauce, all this stuff. But she had like all this, like she had steak, ground beef, mm. like this ground chicken. So all this, we bring it over, we put it in the pot. And uh, we call it the chili that saved our lives. But yeah. like, literally, I learned the power of one, like looking at your community and not being afraid to be vulnerable before a community. Because when we come together, something beautiful come out of it. And, I, you know, it's the chili story. This chili was the most amazing chili. And to this day, like we still be cooking that chili on our own because it ended up being bomb. But yeah, I love it. I want to try it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll have to try to send you all the. All the yeah. You'll, hey, here's what we'll do. You send me the recipe and we'll post it the day that we release this. Done. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell Pastor Bree about this. Let's do it. But then also the other thing I learned is like the Holy Spirit has showed me something. I shared this with her. It was like, what's in your hand? A lot of times like when we're hopeless, we, we try to turn to anything else. But like what I needed was actually already in my cupboard. But unless you put it, Everything that you need is already in your hand. And so then we don't even know. We don't even know. Um, and I look at that when it comes to our dreams and what we want to pursue. And we think that we need to be the flashiest person or we have to have the most money to do something. But it's like God is saying, what is in your hand? Have hope. Take hope in fact that I've already given you the best charisma, that I've given you the voice, that I've put in front of you a phone, record a video, sing, put it on YouTube. You, everything you need is in already in your hand is in your cupboard and so those are the two big things i learned in that season uh also it's like power of community and also like the power of what you need is already right in your household just take a look around oh i love that i love that word i'm i'm quoting that that's going to come out i'm gonna piece that out and put that as a quote and that's so good what you need is already in your hand it's already in your cupboard i love that um the other thing i wanted to point out too is that a lot of times when you're in a hopeless season, it's not always just your circumstances. A lot of times it's the enemy speaking lies. And I think one of the lies that you received was those, your bandmates and those people speaking death into your dreams and death into, you know, the, the purpose God placed inside of you. And, you know, the enemy will use anybody. And it's, it, it, he will. He'll use anyone in your life. He can, I mean, truly, you just, you have to make sure you're unusable by the, by the enemy. That's a word for everybody, even Christians. Make sure you're unusable by the enemy. Don't let him have your, your voice. Because truly, that's some of the most painful stuff that can, that can derail you. Because wasn't it after that that you said, I'm going to lay this down for a minute. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Because it's the voices. It's the voices that, um, that hit the deepest, that, that tear at the core. Because so badly... These people, especially that you probably trusted, that you probably, you know, you did stuff with, you did music with, you were kind of in a groove with, you trust these people. And then they say something like that to you. I, what I love is that it, later on in the story, when you were in England, it's like the Lord used, used his man, this pastor, to then speak back into you and just... I would say times 10, pouring it back into your cup lavishly just until you were overflowing. Like, this is who you are. This is your call. You're not just a great worship leader. You're the greatest worship leader they sent from, you know, the U.S. You're the best. We're going to do this. I'm, I'm, you don't have to set up a worship night and ask people to come. I'm going to set one up for you, and they're just going to line up. That was God all the way, 100%. Mm. I, I a lot from that pastor. He talked about um, the first lesson he taught me was, 
you're like David. You go through the anointing, yes. so, but you're in a disappointing season. He said that at some point you're going to have to learn how to navigate that because the longer that you hold on to it, you will prolong the moment where you're appointed. And so I, I think that was like, that was huge. That was yeah. huge. I found that, you know, and going, um, wow, I am, I am disappointed. I'm disappointed. And I, I, again, it's the power of people pulling things out, speaking things out, helping you identify stuff when you can't see yourself, whether it's taking deep inventory and going, let's address this or even speaking life, like you said, and, and really like propelling me into a space. Also just helping you identify who you are at your core, you know, yeah. because we play identity in the things we do. And that's not fair because that can be stripped from us at any day. Yes. Any day. Like the Holy Spirit, you know, just started showing me, Sarah, it's it's bigger than it's bigger than worship. You facilitate moments for people to engage with me. Yeah. And being in worship. You know what I mean? Look what I do now. I don't sing in church as much anymore as I used to, but I run a company. I, I facilitate happiness, joy, peace favor on artists and helping them propel their careers and get where they need to be I write the music that I want to write that's true to my heart that I was told that sucked you know I, I was told for years I've been around worship leaders of some of the biggest names you could ever imagine and many of those people are like man this is a great song but it doesn't fit the mold and I had to learn like like I am really going to either stay in this disappointment or do I choose to walk into I want to look at what I have in my hand and be obedient to it and see what God wants to do with it. So talk about having hope in God. It's that, again, I expect for the water faucet to turn on and I expect for water to come out of it. Mm. I hope in God, I expect that in any moment in the season that I'm in, he will help me navigate through it because I truly trust him. I trust him. I trust him more than anybody, any money can give me anything, any material thing I trust him more than my lovely truck that I have outside that I wanted so bad you know I, I trust him more than anything that I could ever get because he's been there for me the entire way all the way up to this moment for me talking to you man that's such a good word and you know that's so encouraging for those of us that you know maybe you've been in a hopeless season maybe you've yet to have one and you know to have these few moments of I'd say pivots these few transitional moments that Darius has pointed out of like finding someone to confide in and just being honest of um, being obedient and just stripping it away making sure you have no distractions so you can focus on what matters most and what you do have you know what you do have being grateful for for just what the Lord's already given you the breath in your lungs is that not enough you know and then also moving on to what you're surrounding yourself, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who is the voice in, in your head that you're allowing to speak to your heart? And why are you trusting them? Who's earned that trust? Um, and then moving on to just being obedient in the small things and letting the Lord lift you up, not trying to lift yourself self up out of your own power, but allowing the Lord to lift you in a way that is authentic, in a way that is pure, in a way that is, you know, wherever he'll, he'll put you, just being open to that and letting him lift you, I think is is the one of the greatest um, lessons we can take away from Darius's story. So Darius, I have three questions on wrapping up. I love, I love, your story is just amazing. I think it's just, it, it's gonna resonate with so many of us. I, I know I'm gonna sit with it for a while and just really marinate because I knew bits and pieces because I've known you and we've talked through this, but I didn't know all of it. I did not know all of it. And now I'm just, I really feel like there's so much to marinate on and to glean from this. And even my state of, of trying to grow in my hope and in my trust with the Lord from where I'm at, because I don't have it all together. That's why I started this podcast is because this is, this is not me saying, I have all the 12 steps to hope, you know, and everybody on here has the 12 steps to hope, but we can all glean something from each other's stories and say, I can use that to just get one step closer. I can use that, you know, that practice or that encouragement or that challenge just to take one step closer to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to hope again today. I'm going to hope again tomorrow. So the last three questions, the first one is, 
what is one verse that you feel like sums up that season for you that you can offer to somebody who might be in that season right now that they can cling to? I would say that all things work together for the good of those who love God according to his purpose. That's Romans 8. I I love that verse because I needed to know it, that all things work together. Because I used to think that it was only the good things that worked, but the bad things also worked as well. <laughs> Something that was very huge for me, uh, before that verse, there is a verse that talks about that the Spirit of God maketh intercession. Um, sorry, I'm a King James uh, Version kid. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so that's all I know. The spirit make of intercession uh, on behalf of the moanings and groanings. Mm. And I thought about that. Then it's, you know, it goes on to explain that in the next verses. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him according to his will and purpose. Praying the will of the Father. I love that because there are moments that I just don't have words, cries maybe, uh, frustrations, unsaid prayers. And in those moments, I thought I was furthest away from God. But I love that the scripture says that literally in that moment that he's making inter- he's making intercession for me with moans and groanings, praying the will of the Father. It don't get no more closer to God than that. Mm. The fact that all the utterance that I don't have the language for, that the Spirit of God, if, and I put it as close to this for people that don't understand that. It's like, what does it mean? So when you go to church or even if you, you know, if you love you love somebody, let's do it that way. You love somebody, you're in love, and you don't even know how to describe it, but somebody turned in that song, you'd be like, yes. ooh, that's how I feel about them. Yes. So when it says that, and we know that all things are working together for the good of those who love him according to his will, mm-hmm. well, I can trust that that's his will because it's already been prayed. It's already been utterly prayed by the spirit and connected to the spirit my spirit can identify that everything that i have been through it was his will and it's worth it Mm. that's so good wow i'm like okay let me sit in that for a minute because i needed to hear that i'm gonna go look at that and sit in that for a while today with the lord because that is really really good and you know like you said being without words is okay david he had songs of lament it's okay. And he's the apple of God's eye. And he had moments of being so down that he covered himself with dirt on his face and said, I'd rather die like a maggot basically, or be eaten by maggots. Like literally, like if you want to know what it looks like to be hopeless and see someone in the Bible, I mean, you got Job, but you got David too. He's had some high highs, but he had a lot more lows if you actually look at the trajectory of his life, he went through so much. So that, that spoke to me a lot, especially since you, you know, were compared to a David. I see that as well. That's definitely a mantle in your life. Um, speaking of David and all these big, you know, Bible heroes, doesn't have to be a Bible hero. It could be anyone in your life. Who is a hope hero to you and why? Who's a hope hero to me? Um, Bishop T.D. Jakes would probably be one of my, mostly because of this story he's telling out in the hills of West Virginia. Uh, he tells it all the time. If you get time, check out the interview between him and Stephen Furtick. And then also check out the follow-up conversation on the book Crushing that they did. Uh, but he tells, you know, that story just of how, like, he was like, I had, I didn't have a lot of hair on my head. We were poor. I only owned a couple suits, a couple shoes. He's like, I, you know, I had a gap in my teeth all these different things. Like I wasn't the most appeasing looking guy. I sh- my hands used to shake bad when I would hold the mic. It was like, but all I knew was to preach the word of God. And he did that And trial after trial, even when things took off for him, he talks about how he lost, he lost normality, which was a bigger challenge. Everybody wants to get famous, but you lose normality. So anything that you did before, now the entire world sees every move that you make there. And he talks about how painful that was because how people perceived him and would write these awful things about him that would reflect who he was to the public. And it wasn't him or his family and it affected his family. And I go, but you still have your testimony and you're still ministering. And all the things that he's been able to do uh, with film, with music, with influence, with um, 
business and also his impact uh, in missions around the world to his local community and his contribution to being one of the greatest communicators that we've ever seen on this planet. So a pastor to his local congregation and a family man. Everybody in his family still likes him and loves him in spite of I admire him. My, my story is, I didn't come from the West Hills of West Virginia, but I grew up in Madisonville. And, you know, uh, my dad was the hardest working man I've ever seen in my life. And he gave everything he could to put us in spaces. But we weren't, you know, the most wealthy family. You know, we couldn't tell at the time. But it literally, like, it's crazy to see where I've come from and how God has blessed me in those spaces and my challenges. And, you know, I look at his story and I always go, He's my hero. He's one of my heroes. Uh, so I, I love Bishop T.D. Jakes. I'm telling you, that man, his legacy is unlike unlike most people in this world. It is incredible, especially even through his kids. Like watch his, watching his daughter preach now, I'm just like, man, what more could you want in a legacy that your next generation is going out and doing the same thing and, and loving the Lord publicly and just sharing that and bringing people close into the presence of God, like that's everything. As a pastor of a church of over 10,000, his daughter gets pregnant at 14 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're the, you know, and you're a global Time Magazine just named you the greatest preacher of all time. And you're on TV, TBN, CNN, mm-hmm. CB, everything. You sit, we're sitting with presidents and, you know, your 14 year old daughter gets pregnant and he, same daughter is now reaching millions of people now with her story and you know you look at that and he didn't hide that he she tells us she goes my dad that Sunday held my hand and all the way through that he stood up for me and he wasn't afraid he wasn't afraid of what people would say or what the church may say or their judgment that he cast I like that I like that I think it's cool because it's like yeah I just love that God still uses us in those spaces and that we can be honest before God and he covers us in that. So again, yeah. it's that me and not trying to be haughty and be uh, always have the perfect look and the perfect face for everything. I think God just uses that the most. I feel like that's, he's showing the world. He's walking what he talks of. I fear my God more than I fear man. So what can you say of me? Say whatever you want. I'm loving my family. Say whatever you want. I'm stewarding and fathering my daughter. Say whatever you want. I'm right with God. Check your own heart. So good. So the final question, I want to give you a minute to address our viewers who might be in some, I mean, just picture someone in the same situation that you were in in 2014, and they are just in it. They are waist deep in hopelessness right now. Take a minute and just what would you say to them to either encourage empower or um anything that you just say if you're listening to me right now i don't know where you are and where you may be what you're facing and at the sound of my voice i hope that one that you know that god loves you and that he's with you one of the most encouraging scriptures is that the lord would never leave you nor forsake you and although it may feel like no one is with you and no one sees what you're going through your turmoil your pain your hurt, uh, your difficulty, uh, the relationship with your husband, the uh, the discord with with your kids, uh, the bills are there's more bills than there is coming in money. Uh, you don't have a car to get back and forth to work, whatever it may be. Trying to find a job, all the things we all are going through so much. Yet also, I want you to know that God is with you. Not only is He with you place for you and he's not against you and whatever you're facing right now I want to encourage you not to lose hope but to anchor down and the word I'll say is just hold on hold on if all you can do is just take a step take a step because that step is a step of faith God sees you and God is never late but he's always right on time and when he comes through it will be exactly when you need it so don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Hold on. He's going to come through. Hmm. Thank you so much, Darius, for being a part of this podcast. Um, I'm just so grateful to know you and to 
be a friend and to be um, someone that just gets to watch God use you. I've watched him use you throughout all of the U.S., I feel like now. And I'm so thankful that you shared your story today. It was an honor to hear it. And I appreciate your trust and your vulnerability and your authenticity with us um, and sharing that because that's, that's a very real place that you shared with us today. And it's hard to share that stuff sometimes, but you just own it and you have so much victory through that. And I think that will speak volumes to people. And um, if you're listening and you're in that place, just know we are with you. Um, we're going to spend time praying for you today. I, in particular, will be. I'm going to put up a prayer box. It's going to be a question box, but I want you to submit any anything you need prayer for, anything that you're believing God for, and we're going to stand with you and believe with you. Um, I'm going to have a group of people on a prayer team that are going to be praying over whatever you submit today. So just know that if you submit anything, it is covered. It is taken to the feet of Jesus, and it matters. Was that encouraging or what? I just love the truth and holding onto a disappointing season can actually prolong your appointing season. That is a word for somebody. I can feel it. You know what else is a word for somebody? Me included. Chili. Daris has been so kind to share with us the what's in your cupboard chili recipe. And you can find it posted today on Sentiments with Sarah on Instagram. All media handles for Daris can also be found in our episode description. You can check out and grab his music on all listening platforms or visit his one-stop shop at darisneed.com. Y'all, I am super excited for next week where we have another one of my dearest friends, recording artist, songwriter, and the most joyful person I know, Emmy Elliott on the podcast, sharing how to have hope in the midst of reality. I'll see you then. Don't lose hope.